Hey, turn to the book of Ephesians. That's where we're devout. Have y'all been devouring? I told you Sunday, devour the book of Ephesians. Jeremiah said this, your word became what? Flesh and I ate it. In other words, man, it's just like nourishment to my soul. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hey, Ephesians is a huge book. Everybody say it's a huge book. I'm telling you, it's, it's just off the charts filled with revelation and insight about how we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Our title, of course, is Working Out with the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. And we know from last week and really from other uh, places and times that this book's theme really has everything to do, its purpose. Paul wrote this letter to the church to strengthen the brethren in their faith and undergird the church family and cause them to be strong in the things of God and strong in the, in the faith. And gosh, there's just so many passages of scripture. Ephesians 1 19, uh, it talks, it's probably one of the most powerful verses in all the New Testament. He prays that, that we would know and understand the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working. That's the, I think the energy of his strong power, the Greek would say. So, hey, he wants us to know and experience and walk in the strength of God over our life. Everybody give me a muscle. Show me your muscles. Come on, the strength of God in our life. Pump it up. And so everything we do for the next two months, we're working out. Everybody say we're working out. Man, I have good news on a personal level. Anybody want to know some good news from Pastor Sam? He, I weighed in the middle of the day today. This is not my best time to weigh because in the middle of the day, I, I've already eaten a couple of times. I ate breakfast, I ate a little lunch, and after lunch, uh, in the afternoon, I weighed, and I was nearly, I got down to 210. I'm, I'm just right at 210, and I think by tomorrow I'm going to be below 210, and I'm hoping to just, if I can get under 200, and I'll just, I'll look all buff, and and uh, I might dye my hair. You never know what'll happen, but man, I'm on a personal level, I'm feeling better. We're we're working it out, Beverly. We, in fact, she rode the bike today. I didn't get a chance to ride the bike today, uh, but uh, uh, hey, we just we're just doing our best physically. But we've got a not our best. We're doing better. We're doing better, but not our best. But but from a spiritual standpoint, in fact, Paul said this uh, uh, to, in uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy, I think. He said, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness profits in all things. Everyone say, profits in all things. Let me ask you, are there some areas of your life that need the, 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 the blessing and profit of God upon them? Every area of your life. Hey, exercise yourself towards godliness. And it will, you'll begin to prosper in every area of your life. And that's what Ephesians is all about, about strengthening the family of God, undergirding the church family and causing them to be strong in God. And he prays. In fact, look in uh, Ephesians 3. Uh, he prays again, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, through his spirit in the inner man. Now, I'm loving that. That you would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That word might is dunamis, the Greek dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, supernatural impacting power in your life. He's praying for us. And that's what we need to pray for ourselves and one another, that God would strengthen us with might, supernatural power through his spirit in the inner man. That's what we're talking about. That's what Ephesians is all about. Amen. And so let me kind of give you a little reminder of where we were or, or just some things we talked about last week when we, when we uh, started talking about the book of Ephesians. It's divided into two parts. The first three chapters have to do with insight and revelation about who we are in Christ. You read, you, you look at it from this standpoint and here's what you'll discover. The first three chapters really is a lot about revelation and insight about who we are in Christ. You know, and we talked about that last Wednesday night. We are adopted. We are redeemed. We are sealed. We are seated. We are all these things and, and we're chosen of God. This is who we are in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. 
And so he starts in, and, and we've talked about this last week, in order to be strong and, and, in your spirit and, 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 and filled with the power of God, you've got to know who you are in Christ. Because that's the source of your strength. Amen. The power of the spirit of God and the presence of Jesus in your life. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Could I get a better? Amen. Somebody. And so, but then the next three chapters, okay, four, five, and six are words and instructions of implementation. How you put into practice or how you put into play what you've learned in the first three chapters. And, and, and really for our standpoint and what our theme is, that's where you start working it out. You know, we're, you know, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He created us to be holy and without blame before him in love. And then chapter four, Hey, it starts off. You got to walk worthy of the calling wherein you're called. In other words, we've got to implement the reality of who we are in Christ. We got to put feet to our faith. You got it. Look at your name and say, I think I got it. I think I got it. So though, if, hey, this is important things to know. You learn how, hey, the first three chapters, revelation about that I need to know. And then the, le- the, the, na- the next three chapters, how I put it into practice in my life. Are you with me? Say amen. And so, so with that in mind, we also realize, and as I said, we talked about who we are in Christ, our identity in Him. Uh, and that's what we learned in chapters one and two. And then uh, really all throughout, anytime you read Paul's writings, you're going to find something about being in Christ. In fact, what's the first verse of Ephesians say? It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. The faithful, those who are fixed. That's what that N word means. The fixed position. It's in other words, I'm, I got, I'm established here. I'm in a fixed position. How many of you know the word insecure? Everybody say insecure. Has to do with not being firmly fixed. There's a lot of insecure Christians in their walk with God. It's because they don't know who they are in Christ and what they have available to them as, as members of the family of God. And, and number two, they may not know how to implement who they are in Christ and how, for example, you know, uh, Paul talks about a seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power and, and, and spiritual forces of wick. Uh, uh, yeah, we're far above all principality and power and the might and dominion and above every name that is named. That's where we're seated. But then Ephesians six, what does he say? Okay. You got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You got to put on the whole armor of God. You walk it out. You get it? Everybody say, I got it. Okay. So that's the, that's the part one and part two of Ephesians. And we learn who we are in, in Christ. And I said this last week at the end, when we learn who we are in Christ and our identity, it, it, it's a, it's a natural built in determination that comes upon us. When you understand who you are, you become determined in some key areas in your life. Everyone say, I am determined. And so, let me explain that to you as we introduce uh, to our topic today, which certainly is interwoven into this determination that we gain when we understand who we are. Uh, and determination means firmness of purpose, the process of establishing something exactly in our life. With that in mind, I want to introduce to you the, the topic of tonight, and that is working out in the will of God. Everybody say, working out in the will of God. Man, everybody say, the will of God. Now, I'm going to show you one, two, three, four, five, six verses or or series of verses that all have to do with the will of God in Ephesians 6. Let me make this declaration to you. Being strong in the Lord and the will of God are certainly connected, okay? Uh, and, And so... Uh, so I want you tonight to just begin to put on your exercise shoes, if you will, and walk with me and work out with me 
uh, in the will of God tonight. We're going to learn about the will of God. So let's begin. I'm going to walk you through uh, these six verses, and I'm going to give you the big idea, and then I'm going to give you some things that the will of God will do for your life, and hopefully uh, really begin to apply some things personally in your life. So let's begin. I already read the first one, but it's Ephesians 1.1, the first part. I love it. I love how he starts this off. He, he, he sets the tone for what he knows he wants to say to these Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Everyone say the next five verses, five words. Uh, come on, everybody say, what's it say next? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. What's he saying there? I am what I am. I is what I is. I do what I does because of the will of God in my life. Listen to me. That's powerful. And, and let me just stop. We may never get done tonight. I, I just seem to think that a lot of Christians do not live that way. La -dee -da -da. They live their life on their own terms. They go here, they do that. And, and, and Paul starts right up. He said, I do what I do because it's the will of God for my life. Amen. Now the word will of God, that phrase, that will, the Greek word is, it's T-H-E-L-E-M-A. I think it's pronounced uh, thelema. I think the next E is long, thelema. Everyone say thelema. So you can speak Greek now. Thelema. It means this, and this is what connects us to the, our identity in Christ. It means the determination. So here's what Paul said. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the determination of God. You see, God has determined some things about us. He has a will for us. His determination over us. You see, it's not what you determine, it's what He determines. And sadly, most people live life based upon the determinations that they come. I am determined, I have determined that I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be, uh, this and I'm going to be the next president of the United States. That's what I've determined I'm going to do. In fact, Ty, he's so funny. He doesn't know this is not a good thing to do. I said, Ty, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm going to be a woodcutter. I said, don't you want to be a preacher? No, I'm going to be a woodcutter. What is it? A tree cutter. That's a tree cutter. A tree cutter. I think he'll learn after the first tree that maybe he was off. Maybe that was not God's determination for his life. But uh, I thought that was funny. But that's the way a lot of us live. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do that. And we learned in James that we, that it, hey, you don't need to be saying that. You need to say, if the Lord wills, we'll go here and do this. And I want to rattle your cage tonight and just get you to even on this first verse begin to ask yourself, am I living according to and in harmony with and under the governance of the determination of God for my life? Let me just stop. Uh, again, I'll never get done. When I was in kindergarten, my kindergarten picture was looked like this. And the reason was because I was shy and intimidating, intimidated by everything. I was fearful of everything. And I went to school. You've heard this before. They said, you got to take speech. I said, what's that? Well, you get up in front of people and talk. I said, it ain't happening. And she said, well, you have to. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. She said, well, you'll funk the course. I said, go ahead and write it down. I don't talk in front of people. How many of you know God has a sense of humor? See, that was my determination. But God had another determination. In my senior year in high school, began to rattle my cage. Something began to stir on the inside of me. I ended up in Israel on a trip to Israel with my pastor and my best friend, who wasn't my best friend then, but one of my best friends now, Pastor Sonny Kananser, who just celebrated his 61st birth, 62nd birthday. And, uh, and we were there and God that first night spoke to me that he wanted me to preach his word. That's his determination over my life. And so that's what we're talking about. Everybody say the will of God. Now look in Ephesians chapter one, verse five. He jumps. He's, I, I, I ought to read all of this, but look what he says. He has having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his what? His will. What does that word mean? His determination. Everybody say determination. In other words, hey, and this predestined, he's predestined us to adoption as sons 
By Je- That's a part of who we are in Christ. You got that. To himself, according to the good pleasure of his determin- determination or his will. That word predestined means determined beforehand. Now, there's a lot of controversy. It has been for ages about predestination and so on and so forth. I'll give you my mindset. And uh, uh, there's some belief systems that believe that it's all already ordained and you can't change it. Some are ordained to heaven. Some are ordained to hell. And uh, it's just, it's all but already written down. And I, I don't understand all of that because it doesn't make sense to me. I believe God has a predetermined destiny for all of us. Let me give it to you by illustration. How many of you have kids? Do you have a predetermined destiny that, that they're going to go to hell? I mean, Amanda, when you, when you had them babies, you just said, well, God bless you, but you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Beverly, we didn't want it. Did you, did, can you imagine picking up little Laura Beth and going, I'm sorry, baby. You're going to hell in a hurry. No, Lord Jesus, no. Now, who is God? He is our heavenly Father. If we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more our heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? He is our Father. Now, can you imagine our Father going, oh, I'm going to create you, but you ain't got a chance. You're going to burn in hell. So, I believe we're all born to choose. Okay? We're not born to lose, we're born to choose. And God has a, we as parents have a predetermined destiny of blessing and future. That's the same way God is. He has a predetermined destiny over our life. It does not guarantee our safe arrival. How many of you know your kids can grow up and make wrong choices? And they can do things that they shouldn't do. And they can go places that they, they become people of choice. They are not, uh, they are not automatons. They are not robots. We are all people of choice. And we choose to go down a pathway that is unhealthy and unholy. That's not God's will. In, in fact, you know what Jesus, uh, I started to say it's Jesus. It's not God's will that any should perish. Right? So. Anyway, so we have a predetermined destiny. It doesn't guarantee our safe arrival. And so that's what Paul's talking about here. He's predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, do you think Jesus uh, and God, they, they were thinking he's only dying for certain people. He's dying for the whole world. God so loved the world. That he, his, his redemption in his shed blood was for the whole world. Could have get a better amen. If any of y'all are Calvinists, I hope you're not now. You're, now you're, you're, you're just whatever we are. You're a Christian. I don't know. <laughs> amen. A believer. Uh, because hey, God has predestined us. There's some things that he's determined for over us beforehand. All of us have a predetermined destiny. Uh, it doesn't guarantee our safe arrival. Now look in verse 9. Now, notice this. We're only in verse 9, and he's hit this. He's hitting it again. How many of you know he's trying to make a point? He says, uh, having made known to us the mystery of his what? According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. He said he's wanting to make known to us. As his adopted children who he redeemed and who he forgave, he wants to make known to us the mystery of his will. And for some of you today, it's a mystery. You think, man, I've been living now on this earth. How long have you been living, Matthew, on this earth? How old are you? 23, I've been living on this world now on my nigh 24 years. And maybe some of the mystery is still there about what does God have for me? He wants to unlock those mysteries. Some people live their whole life and never know the will of God for their life. That's a, that's a crying shame. People come to church and never really plug into the will of God. And here comes Paul. What's his purpose? To strengthen the church. And he knows that in order for them to really get strong, they're going to have to understand the will of God. Everybody say the will of God. Look in verse 11. He hits it again. In him, there's that position in, in Christ, fixed position. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being, pre, being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, listen, when he's working in your life, 
It's according to the counsel of his will and plan for your life. Amen. And that's what he, and, and he's, and, and, and he's endeavoring to get us to a place where we're walking in and experiencing the destiny and purpose of God for our life on a daily basis. Okay, that was Ephesians 1.11. Now jump over. I love this one. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. The next three verses. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Now, and then he says, redeeming the time because what? The days are evil. Now catch verse 17. Therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is. Man, how many of you think Paul's trying to get across to this Ephesians church? Man, you got to start understanding some things about God's will for your life. He, he said, you got to walk carefully. You can't be foolish in how you live your life. You can't waste your time because the days are evil. You can't live an unwise life. And it's, hey, let me just say for the believer, it's unwise not to embrace God's will and totality in your life. What is the will of God for my life? Amen. And then we get over to Ephesians 6, verse 5 and 6. And he's referencing bond servants or slaves which we are all bondservants of God. Look at this, verse 5 and chapter 6. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ. Catch verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ. Catch this. Doing the will of God from the heart. Everybody say the will of God. He says, hey, do the determination of God with a heart of service after him. So there's the one, two, three, four, five, six direct uh, uh, references to the will of God. Six chapters, six references. Notice he hits it strong there in the beginning. Uh, and so here's the big idea. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Here's the big idea for tonight. It is this. Put it up there. Let's read it together. The big idea is spiritual strength. Everybody together. Spiritual strength is not just for our personal survival, but for our success in fulfilling God's predetermined will for our lives. Let me throw this out to you. The will of God is normally never easy. Think of Jesus. If it's possible. Let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, he prayed three times, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, the will of God is usually never easy. But how many of you know it's not the easy road that gets us down the road? Come on. The adversities of life. And, and here's where here, I want to, I want to link our, our big thought about Ephesians, spiritual strength. That's his whole purpose. It's not just for our personal survival so we can go, Ooh, I beat the devil in this life. Ooh, I, I kicked a habit in this life. You know, I, 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 I said nope to dope in this life. I, hey, that all those things are good, but spiritual strength is not just for your spiritual survival. It's to empower you to fulfill God's predetermined will and plan for your life. That's why we need to be strong in the Lord. Hey, and, and, and if there's not, if there's anything, any reason less than fulfilling the will of God, then why are we following and trying to serve Him anyway? Are we just trying to get some more fish and bread? Think about it. Why are we serving Him? So he can bless me and help me and, and, and make sure I, the devil doesn't hurt me. And then one day he comes and gets me and I go home to be with him and I made it. Yeehaw into heaven. Whoo. Man. Life is so much more than just making it to the end. It's about fulfilling the will of God. His predetermined, his determination over you. All right, you got it. Everybody say, I got it. I don't have my clock here. I'll get one. 
Now, I'm going to give you, I think it's 10 or 12 things from these verses that I read to you uh, that the will of God does in our life, okay? Here you go. This is going to sound simplistic, but it's really where we begin. Verse 1 of chapter 1, the will of God provides direction. By the will of God. That word by, I love the little words. How many of you know, you just learn what the words mean. It helps you under, you can preach. You can become a preacher if you just learn what these words mean. (laughs) The word by the will of God. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. That little word by means a channel of an act. Or the, the, the pathway of an action. Now, how many of you know what a channel is in the ocean or in the lake? It's, 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 it's really, it's really the highway. Uh, there's flats, but the channel, that's where the water's deep and that's where things flow through. And, and Paul's saying, I'm living my life and I do what I do because the will of God has provided for me a channel a navigate, you know, these big ships out that come up into the, I don't even know the name of it, but all they come up in here. They couldn't come up in here without the fact that there was a channel. There are certain places that look just as deep as the channel, but they're not. And if they get off to the left or right, they're going to, they're going to have trouble. And let me tell you something. The will of God keeps you in the right direction for your life. The channel and everybody has a channel which is God's pathway and plan for their life. When you begin to get into the will of God, and I'm going to tell you how to, how to do that a little more, but it'll provide direction in your life. You see, everybody wants direction until it goes the way you don't want it to go. <laughs> and most people fear the direction. Oh, he's going to make me a missionary to Africa. Man, I would, I've been there. I'd love to do that. I mean, you get to see elephants and giraffes and lions and tigers and bears on mine. I'm telling you, Beverly, you like to move to Africa? No. Yeah. No. What if the grandkids went with us? Well, <laughs> you have your channel that you're flowing in, right? And it ain't Africa right now, is it? We have some friends that are, that's why I tell them, I'm glad you're here and this is your channel. Uh, so I can help you in, in, in finding the will of God and fulfilling the will of God. Everyone say it provides direction. Man, direction of our life. The will of God puts you in the right channel. He's an apostle by the will of God. The will of God put him in the channel that he needed to be in. All right. Here we go. Number two, the will of God is all inclusive. Let me explain that in verse 11. It says this in verse 11. Back in Ephesians 1, he said this, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. Everyone say all things. According to the counsel of his will. Now, all things mean all things. In other words, every area of our life, to the left and to the right, to the top and the bottom, what we do, where we go, who we marry, what we, where we work, what we, what we eat, what we drink, everything. He's saying, let me tell you where the will of God needs to encompass in your life. It needs to be all inclusive. It covers every area of your life, your finances. Uh oh, I'm meddling now, aren't I? Our finances have to be yielded to the will of God. So when, when we get paid every day or every week, we look at our money and go, okay, this is not my money. It's God's money. It belongs to him. Uh, and I'm just a steward of it. I wonder what the will of God is for my money. Most people, when you get a little extra, it burns a hole right in your pocket, doesn't it? Woo-hoo, we're going to party. Now, you know what the Bible says? He gives us all good things to enjoy. He, he's not a, he's not a, a fuddy duddy. God's not, look at your neighbor and say, God's not a fuddy duddy. He's not a fuddy duddy. He wants you to enjoy life. But hey, what's the will of God? All things. It's all inclusive. So if, if you, if you're going to be strong in the Lord and you're going to, and you're going to, uh, um, uh, uh, 
tap into God's channel for your life. It's, it's not, uh, well, I'll do the will of God in this area, but I can't do the will of God in that area. Man, I'll do the will of God. Man, I'm reading my Bible, but hey, I think I'm going to, you know, go party on Friday night. No, 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 no. What's the will of God? It's all inclusive. Everyone say it's all inclusive. It's his will in all areas. The, he said, he said, uh, uh, he works every, all things according to the counsel of his will. And if we bring all things to him, he'll help us find the channel and the will of God for every year of our life. I'll tell you, uh, when I was right out of high school, you know, even before I was out of high school, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. God was beginning to work in my life. And my parents kept telling me, you need to know if, are you going to college? And I thought my brothers were smarter than I, and uh, uh, I I struggled in a few areas, and I didn't want to go to college. But I started praying for the will of God, and I and and they kept telling me, well, "You need to know something. You got to take these tests. You got to go to you know you got to you know apply for grants and do all. You can't just sit around." And and I told my mom one day, I said, uh, I, "I said she said, have you made it? What are you going to do?" I said, "Well, I don't know. I don't know what God wants me to do." And she said, well, you get in that room right there of yours back there at the end of the hall and you don't come out till you know. I said, are you serious? She said, I'm serious. Get in there. Don't you come out till you got a word from God. She wasn't very spiritual. She's just sick of hearing me say that. So she put the, she put the word on me. I went into my room. I can, I'll never forget. I thought this could, I could starve to death in here. I, and so I obeyed my mom and I started praying. And I just got a clarity in my, this is just me. I got a clarity in my heart that I was not to, I didn't have to go to college. I just got a clarity. And I went and told her and she said, that's all I need to know. She didn't, she didn't poke and prod at me. I didn't go to college. Of course, later I did by, uh, what's that correspondence course? And I have something hanging on the wall now, but, uh, back then I didn't go. And you know what? I think I, I look back on that. And for me, that was the best road for me. It may not be the best road for anybody else, but it was for me. It was the will of God, okay? And and uh, and I had to realize that's every area of my life. I've got to know the will of God because if you get out of the will of God in certain areas, you're really all convoluted in every area. Are you with me? Say amen. Okay, and here's number three. The will of God, I've already said it, is pre predetermined. Verse five, he says this, having predestined us, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It's predetermined. God has a plan for your life. It, you're not a blank slate. God has a plan. And, and it's best for us to determine what his plan is for our life and get into the channel. It's predetermined. I believe it was predetermined before the foundations of time that I'm sitting here with you today. I believe where I'm at right now at this moment, I am in the middle, smack dab middle of the will of God for my life. And, and I'm here today because of, of understanding back in 19, when did I graduate? 74. Uh, so December of uh, 74 or 5, when God called me to preach, uh, uh, he had today in mind back then, it was a predetermined plan of God. Amen. Now a side note, everybody go, everybody push the pause button. Come on, everybody push the pause button. Don't you appreciate DVR and pause? Man, that's just awesome. Pause button. Let's just say you've been out of the channel for a while. You can get right back in. He'll redeem the time. He'll restore to you the years that the, the Bible says the canker worm has eaten. Now, I've never met a canker worm, but he sounds nasty. And he eats things up. He'll restore to you. Hey, you can get back into the channel. Okay. Now, you can't procrastinate. We'll talk about that in a minute. But tonight, you can get back in the channel into the predetermined plan of God for your life. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, the will of God is predetermined. And number four, the will of God is, uh, or the will of God brings pleasure. I love this. Verse five, I've read it already, but look at it from this context. Having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the what? Good pleasure of his will. It makes God happy 
When you get in the right channel in the flow of God over your life, when you began to hit on all eight cylinders in God's will for your life, it brings pleasure to God. In fact, my Bible tells me that, that our life is to bring pleasure to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants us to please Him with our life and to get in, in the flow of God's plan for our life. Parents, uh, when your kids are clacking on all eight cylinders and it seems like they're headed in the right direction, do you just go, man, just chaps me. No, you go, oh man, you're happy. You rejoice that your, that your children seem to be going in the right direction, going and growing and being and doing. It brings pleasure. God's no different. When we get into the channel that he created us to be, man, it brings him pleasure. Look in verse 12. And we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In other words, when we get into the channel, it brings praise and glory to God. It brings pleasure to God. Conversely, how many of you know a lot of times you can, you can establish truth by saying the word conversely, meaning on the other side of the coin, if being smack dab in the will of God and in the channel and the flow of God for your life brings him great pleasure, I wonder what being out of the channel brings him. I got a feeling that's theologically sound. Hello? So we need to understand that. But the will of God brings pleasure to God. And then number four or number five, the will of God is progressive. Everyone say it's progressive. Now, let me explain to you. I'll show you the progressive revelation of God in my life. But God spoke to me uh, in Israel uh, the first night I was there back in 1974 he said, I'm, I'm calling you to preach my word. And he said this, it's no, it's no secret now. This is the part I thought where I'd gotten in, in the middle of it. I'm calling you to preach my word to many nations. That's all he said to me. Now, there's three, there's some progressive things about the call of God on my life. Well, preach my word to many nations. Now, I, so I kind of set the many nations side apart until one day it happened. The first time I was out of the country, I preached on a radio station in Honduras and I asked the guy, how many people probably heard that? He said, oh, about five million. The first missionary journey I ever went on. And I said, how many countries down there in Central America? Oh, he counted, uh, I don't know, it's a lot. I said, my Lord Jesus, on my first trip out of town, I've done hit four or five nations. And that thing came back to me, many nations. And that's been progressive. But here's another thing. Preach my word. Didn't say anything about pastoring people. I think that's probably where I might have got out of the channel right there. Because like a friend, pastor friend of mine said, he said, you know, this pastoring wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for all these sheep. He said, you know, sheep will bite you. He said, I'd love this thing if it wasn't up for all these sheep you got to deal with. <laughs> Now, for me, the will of God has been progressive. He established a, a precedent in me that preached my word. And then that many nations began to be fulfilled. And, and then pastor and youth pastor. And I even led worship. Did y'all know I used to lead worship? Lord, I almost got, where's that guitar? I saw Randall had his guitar. It's gone. I mean, I, I thought I might impress y'all with my guitar skills. But uh, because I, that, I'm a closet worship leader, I'd love to do that, but I'm not very good anymore. So, uh, but I've done a lot of things, but all those things were progressive. But the, you know, you, do you know what lights me up like nothing else? I mean, you know, you, you, you want to know where I light up like a Christmas tree? When I get to the core of the call of God on my life, preach his word. I love it. Now, taking care of sheep, I put up with y'all. So I can preach to you. You understand what I mean? I love you. You know I do. But that's the core of who I am. That's just my nature. I love to, I love to establish sermons and outlines and, and, and in fact, I, I, you know, some of my messages have been taken by missions organizations and, and replicated around the world because that's just what I do. I love to do it. It's just my grace. It's my gift. It's a call, but it's been progressive. Everybody say it's progressive. And so if God told you everything right up front, it'd scare the wajibis out of you. 
Are you with me? Say amen. And so you've got to embrace the will of God and know it's progressive. Let me show it to you in Philippians, uh, pardon me, uh, Ephesians chapter three. Notice this, uh, and, and it, you'll, you'll catch this a little bit that the, the overall revelation of God has been progressive. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus for the Gentile, for you Gentiles. Now, let me just say that right there was progressive revelation because up until, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it was just the Jews, right? So now Paul comes along, he's, he's a, a Gentile, and so he's preaching to the Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written to you already. And then he talks, he just goes on and on about the revelation of this mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was revelation. That was progressive revelation. So uh, that's the way it is in our lives as well. So let's keep going. I think I've got five, four or five more. The will of God is not only progressive, but the will of God can be undermined. This is the warning point. God's, God's flow and plan for your life can be undermined by a lack of wisdom or by foolish living. And that's what Ephesians 5, uh, verse 8 through 18 is all about. Let's just read this. I've got, we've got a little time. Let me read this. Let me show you this. For we were once darkness, verse 8, chapter 5. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. How many of you can, the preacher in me can break that down real easy. Let's just, let's take it apart. This is who we want. We once walked in darkness, right? Now we're children of light. But here's the instruction. You better work it out. You better walk it out. Why? Because darkness is still around us. He said, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed and are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep and, and rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See that you walk circumspectly or carefully. Not not as fools, but as wise. Why would he have to say that? Because that can knock us out of the channel and the flow of God for our life. In other words, the, the predetermined plan of God can be undermined by our wrong choices in life, by the foolish choices of life. And let's be honest here. Let's, hey, let's just be clear. Let's be right up front. How many of you have made some foolish choices in your life that got you out of the channel? At least most of you. Good. We all have. We all got a, and that's why the Bible's filled with instruction for fools. Okay. We got, a, we all got a little fool on the inside of us and the tendency of our flesh is to, is to, is to make wrong choices. And so we've got to understand that God's plan and purpose, if we are not careful, he said, you better walk carefully. You better be careful because there's influences, there's darkness, there's, there's unhealthy, unholy things out there that if you go in the wrong direction, they will, they will undermine the destiny of God in your life. Wow. The will of God can be undermined. You need to know that. And here's another warning. The will of God has a timetable. There is a timetable. to fulfill, And we don't know the timing of the timetable of God all the time. You know, when, when, uh, when I, God called me to preach, I didn't have a clue. I didn't, I didn't quit my day job. And my... My mindset was I'm totally committed to the will of God, but I'm going to go out and make a living. And God knows where I'm at. And he can, he can, now I served in my local church, but I, God knows he's the one called me. There's a timetable for everything. And then the timetable came and we got, we got a call to go help uh, birth a church in Quitman, Texas. That's where we started, Beverly and I. Uh, and uh, that was in 19... 83. And that's where we, we, we entered into full-time ministry. And so there's a timetable, but also understand something. There's a timetable to get in the flow. You can miss the will of God. 
because you refuse the will of God are distracted by other things, and you can miss the will of God. That's why he said, be careful, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. For the days are evil. Now, there's two words for time in Scripture. There's the chronos, and then there's the kairos. There's two more Greek words. Everybody say chronos and kairos. Now, anybody want to guess what chronos is? Tick, 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 tick. It's just chronology. You ever, you've seen watches called chron, you know that word, that's the Greek word chronos. It's just days, weeks, months, years, seconds, minutes, milliseconds. That's chronos. Kairos is not chronos, but it's a divine opportunity. It's a season of opportunity that, 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 that God has something going on. How many of you know when nothing's going on, something's going on? God's got something going on. There's a Kairos moment in our, have you ever, can you look back in your life and you go, ooh, I, that was a Kairos moment in my life when this happened or, or when God opened this to me. Can anybody say, I, I, I understand a little bit on a personal level what a Kairos moment is in my life where God, an opportunity, a, a season of opportunity came and, 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 and it was a time of favor or whatever. It's a Kairos moment. In fact, Old Testament says there were people, who was it? The Chaldeans, I think, I'm not remember. Their, their, their gifting was that they could, they could see the times. They understood the times. They could, they could know what's going on in the spirit realm. Paul the apostle comes along. See that you walk circumspectly, wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the Kairos opportunity. Could I tell you that the will of God for your life is a Kairos opportunity? And God's patient and He's kind. And he's long-suffering. But the Bible also says there comes a time when he will not always wink and just say, okay, I'll wait. The, the, the season and the time can be over for, for us. And we can miss God's best for our life. Wow. I don't want to miss it. You know, Beverly and I, when we stepped out of manual labor into Emmanuel labor back in 1983, I was in the concrete business, making a lot of money for 1983. Probably was making, I don't know, $150,000 a year. Back then in 83, Lord, what would that be? Half a million dollars in this day's economy? Maybe. This boy was rolling. Rolling. I mean, I was rolling. I was working hard, but I was rolling. I, I had more money than I had since. And, and, and catch this. God knew what he was doing. Because he wanted to bless me in the will of God. You know what we did? The first thing we did when we moved to Quitman, Texas into my first ministry position where I made $1,600 a month. Woo, I'd never had to, uh, what is it, uh, um, allocate how much milk you put in your cup before. But when you get on a budget of $1,600 a milk with a couple of kids, $1,600 a milk, $1,600 a month, you think, oh, let's do We've got to be careful where all that milk goes. I'd never been on that kind of a budget before. We went uh, into a whole different world. But you know the first thing Beverly and I did? We went and bought a brand new house. We were styling on Shady Bend, weren't we, Beverly? Come on now. She don't like me talking about this. But hey, where'd that happen? I was in the middle of the will of God making money. And, and people, and, and, and God blessed me with money. I had more money than I had since. I didn't, I didn't have a whole bunch of money, but hey, we bought a new house because I got into the flow of God right out of high school and I was ready and willing. And when God called my number, I had a little money to get me launching. And, and you know, one of the next things I did, <laughs> it wasn't too long after that, I bought me a bass boat. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it wasn't with preaching money. I can guarantee you that. Could have get a better amen. Now, but hey, the timing of God. God has it all in order and we can miss it. We don't want to miss it. I think about, you know, gosh, I've got grandkids here today. If I'd have missed the will of God, where, 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 
That just gets me all shook up to think about how if we had missed the will of God. When we came here, man, we didn't want to leave equipment. But when I started praying, I'm telling you, when I'd think about it, I'd get all, I don't know about this. I don't know about all this. I man, I got a nice house on the corner of Shady Bend. I got a new bass boat. No, I'm, hey, we're, we're out on the lake by this time. We got it all going on. I travel around the world a couple of times a year. Got a great church, loves me. Why would I want to go anywhere else? I start praying and man, I knew you got to go. And I said, if God, you're telling me, you're going to tell my wife. God told my wife. She said, we got to go. I'll never forget when we packed up our last little possessions all my little kids were we're all in this naked living room we're all where it all began we it, we all got in this little living room and had fun with that house we built now we're leaving it and we had our everything packed up i'm getting a little choked up and laura beth the youngest she she jumped in that big old u-haul truck said i'm ready to go and that just blessed me and we hey and here we are today so hey it's progressive. Uh, there's a timetable. Uh, and here's the, here's the next one. The will of God requires cooperative effort. Look at chapter 5, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore do not be wise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, we've got to cooperate with the flow of God, and we've got to put our understanding hat on. We've got to get our insight going on. We've got to get our sensitivity of the things of the... We've got to get in our bedroom and don't come out till we know the will of God kind of thing sometimes. And let me tell you something. When God speaks to you, it's clear as a bell. There's nothing wrong with His mouth. we just got to get the junk out of our ears. Amen? All right, and it's a, a cooperative effort. Just because it was God's will for me to preach His Word, I had to cooperate. I had to line up. I had to get in, in the flow. I had to get in the river. I had to get in the channel. I had to get my kids in the channel. I had to get my wife. I knew I couldn't go without my wife. My wife got in the channel. She's in the flow. Amen? Hallelujah. It's a cooperative effort. And, and number whatever it is, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the will of God is an action. It's an action. Go down to chapter six, verse six, where he was talking about the bond servants. You, you, he said, bond servants, verse five, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not men. How many of you know that's an action word? That's a, the will of God. I said it. It's not easy. It takes work. It's something you got to work out. It's an action. I'm, I, I'm, I've got to stay active to stay in the will of God. Let me just tell you, I could disengage from you. I can dis, I could disengage from God and I could disengage from you in my heart and still preach. But I began to lose the cutting edge of God in my life. And the first person to know it would be me. Probably the next person to know it would be my wife and my kids and then you. But I could fake it for a while. If I disengage and just go into neutral and stop working at it, I could go back. You know what I could do? I got it on my computer. I've got about eight years of prepared messages on my computer. I could just go whip one out from eight years ago. You'd never know. How many of you wouldn't even probably hear eight years ago? Ryan was too little to know. Uh, Hey, you wouldn't even know. I could, I wouldn't have to pray about the word of the Lord. I wouldn't have to, I could just preach those messages. And the word of God would work to, but hey, listen, getting in the channel and the flow takes work and action, cooperation and effort and energy. There's always a divine tension going on. You know, when you, you know, uh, if you, if you're navigating one of these ships down one of these channels, you're not smoking a doobie and sleeping on the job. At least you're not supposed to smoke a doobie and sleep on the job. Because if you do, it's going to be serious in a millisecond. Because you're going to, 
you're going to crash into something. I mean, I'm telling you, you got to stay engaged. And by the way, if any of you have smoked doobies, don't do it. It's not good for you. Quit smoking doobies. All right. I just did that because y'all laughed the first time. I want to get a little more laugh. I'm done here. One more. No, I'm not quite done. Let me see what time. I'm about done. Uh, The will of God is an inside job. The last one. It's an inside job. Uh, Back to chapter six. He says, doing the will of God, where? From the heart. It's not just, ho, 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 I got to do the will of God. It's from the heart of service to God as a bond servant, a willing bond servant of God. From the heart, it's an inside job. It starts right here where in our hearts we say, I don't want to miss the will of God. I want to bring God great pleasure. I'm going to be strong in the Lord, not just to make it, but to fulfill his purpose and plan for my life. Amen? Now, let me give you quickly and we'll be close. There's two levels of the will of God. I'll call it two levels. Two levels of the will of God. I'm going to call it this. I just I coined these phrases. I didn't even read this from a book. I just figured this out on my own. You'll be proud of me. The first one is the standardized will of God. The corporate predetermined will for all believers. If you have your Bible in your hand, a lot of the corporate predetermined will for all believers is right there. Well, all of it is in the Word of God. Are you with me? You understand? You don't have to pray about it being the will of God uh, to, 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 Lord, should I murder my, my, my ex-wife or not? I'm praying, Lord, should I? You don't have to pray about that. That's not the will of God, is it? Some of you would say, well, I could squeeze it in. I don't you don't have to pray about cussing out your mom. Should I cuss her out today or not? You don't have to pray. It's not God's will. Should I rob the Capital One or the Bank of the West? You don't pray about those things. Because it's not the will of God, right? Are you with me? That's the, sta- that's the, that's the directives of scripture over our life. There's the standardized will of God. You need to understand that. No one is exempt as a believer from the standardized will of God for their life. It's, it's, it's an endeavor. Uh, and, and let me just say, people are trying to water down the standard. Let me just tell you, we live in a world that is trying to water. There's church folk that have watered down the bona fide will of God for their life so much. You look at their life and you have to go, come out, come out wherever you are. Where is Jesus in all this? Come on. That's not the spirit of the Lord. That's the spirit of the flesh I see. Come on now. We water it down and we think, hey, this is God's will for me to be this way. But God has a standard will. It's his, it's his standard for us and his, his directive over our life. And, and I think it's time we don't, we don't dumb down the standard. We need to raise the bar. It's time to be righteous and holy and good and obedient to the commands of God. Could I get a better amen? That's the standardized will of God. And then there's the personalized will of God where it's an individualized, predetermined will for each believer. You see, I'm in the middle of the will of God for my life, but you've got to be in the middle of the will of God for your life. And you're you're responsible for both. You're responsible for the standardized will of God and the personalized will of God for your life. To, to, to To uncover the mystery of the will of God. Amen? Now, here's here's my closing thought about these two levels. The personalized will of God is best determined in the middle of the standardized will of God. You can't, you can't skip the standardized will of God and do the personalized will of God. If you want to know the, the personal plan that God has for your life, his predetermined destiny for your life, you've got to begin to live your life under the governance and guidance of the standardized will of God. That's where the the the, the specifics of your day and the specifics of your life are birthed in the middle of your life. Listen, when God spoke to me, Lord Jesus, I was in the middle of serving God at my local church, helping out with young people, doing this, doing that, doing whatever I could to be a support 
court and trying my best as a young guy to, to live right in, in an unrighteous life. I was really trying hard. I was working at the standardized will of God for my life. And as I was in the middle of that, the personalized plan of God began to unfold in my life. Amen. You can bank on that. And though I'm sure somebody said that some way, somewhere before in certain ways, I coined that this afternoon in my little heart because that's just the way it's worked in my life. Amen. The will of God. The determination of God. We got to crucify our determinations, right? And see what his determinations are. That's what Jesus did. He crucified his will for the sake of the predetermined plan of God for his life. Amen. Let's stand up together.